look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More Than Money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. matters it's more than money i'm Faisal carmel i'm my co-host here dave popwich how you doing buddy i'm great Faisal. you i'm excited about this show why well we get to talk about the, the uh an interesting topic that most people don't really have a, an understanding of why it's important for their retirement okay and then we're going to talk about another topic that people hate talking about when it comes to their retirement right so let's talk about you know in this in this show today just investing in stocks and bonds is not going to do it anymore yeah, there's lots of evidence to suggest stock prices are very high, interest rates are low and moving higher, inflation is on the rise. How do you protect yourself? Risk, 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 risk is all, is all people are talking about yeah. when it comes to the generic markets of stocks and bonds. Yep. So what do you do? What's the solution to that problem as you transition to and live in retirement? We've got a solution, a strategy, approach that's, uh, that we're going to be talking about that today. That most people don't know about, don't have, don't have exposure to, yeah. and it's, an, it's important going forward. And right? so I think that's going to be interesting to kind of let people know and educate them about yep. what's out there. And then the thing they don't like talking about, well, we just had the budget on Monday, taxes. What's the impact to people? Right. There was a bit for everybody in the taxes, uh, uh, in the budget. And so there's a lot of rumors that if you're a transition to or living in retirement and you have assets saved, that the tax man is coming. Yep. Now, what's interesting is I think what, what, what was left out of the budget was probably more interesting than what was in the budget. What is to come? Yes. Right? What is to come? Because this, to me, looked a lot like a pre-election budget, right? It did. Everything for everybody. Yes. So that's not the real one. What's behind it? Correct. We got to know what that is. Who's going to pay for it? Who's going to pay for it? And that's what we're going to talk about that's today, right. too. So I'm, I'm really excited about that one because it's going to be a good conversation to have because I think people need to understand that... We have to pay this debt somehow. Yep. So how are we going to pay for it, and who's going to pay and it? And who's going to pay for it? Okay. So um, that's a good segue uh, into what money means. Uh, we know what money means in the budget to the federal government. <laughs> okay. um, I had a really, uh, a really fun week this week in terms of conversations because it, uh, in a number of instances, it refocused back, the conversations refocused back onto not the amount of money that clients had that I was talking to, not what was the rate of return on the portfolio. Um, it focused on what the money meant for them and for their family. Right? You yeah. can have money. It's interesting. I had similar conversations today, this week. Um, people are in a situation right now where they're evaluating what's important to them. Exactly. And I'm having conversations with clients and listeners of the show, viewers of us, on, on social media and on our website, and they're asking me, you know, I, I want to do a whole bunch of things. They call it things. And I want to know if my money will be able to support it. And the conversation is getting away from, well, what stock did you buy? What's your rate of return? What's the bond situation like? And getting more into the, this is what I want to experience in my journey in, in retirement. Yeah. And they don't yeah. say it exactly like that, but yeah. they're saying I want experiences. Yes. 
and experiences me memories. Right. And what kind of experiences and memories I want to have because, first of all, I've saved up all this money. Right. I want to enjoy it. Secondly, I've been cooped up in this place for almost two years now. It <laughs> feels like it. Yeah. But I have, want to do a whole bunch of things. Right. And so now the, the conversations being, being talked about is what kind of experience do you want to have? And how are you going to have those experiences? And what do they really mean to you? And what my fears are, I'm going to take it one step further. Because I was on both sides of that, that conversation, ultimately still talking about what money can do. But in one hand, it was a person whose business was really negatively affected by the, the pandemic. Mm. Okay? And when speaking with that person, it was all about, when we got to the nuts and bolts of it, we started the conversation around, I need more. I need more. It was, she had good rates of return, but I, I, and I'm saying, why, why, why? What's going on? And we eventually got to the conversation around, um, okay, I'm terrified, right? I was planning on working for longer. I don't know if my business is going to be around after this. And I've got this vision of lifestyle. So early 60s, talking about this, I'm afraid. On the other hand, it was a conversation around, I've been reacquainted with a, with a family member that um, you know, had not been around for a long time. And this was a legacy conversation, right? And it was about, um, I want to help protect this person and their family, right? This family member that's reconnected and their family, right? So it was a really, I, it was a really touching week this week because that, that was the conversation. And, and it got me thinking, that's why I wanted to talk about this segment. It got me thinking about, well, it's what the money, what does the money represent for them? Is it safety? Is it supporting a family member? Is it passing along a legacy for grandkids and education? It was all those kinds of conversations. It wasn't about inflation. It it's wasn't about, about stocks why and why you have this money. Right. And why and what do you want to do with it? Right. And that's the conversation that everybody needs to have with their advisor if they have one or they need to have it with the people who are helping them make the financial decisions for their family. Right. And that's important because if it's just about portfolio returns and you know economics and, and all the metrics that you and I look at every single day, then you kind of get distracted about what the real goal is. Right. And when you react to something, you're going to react because of that key experience, value, or core belief that you have, yep. that you want. Yep. And that's going to come back to bite you if you don't have those conversations. So I'm really glad that our clients are talking to us about these sorts of things. Yes. I'm really happy that we can understand the, the real meaning behind what's important to them so that when we're working with their portfolios and their, and their money and, and having that foundation that you need to have a successful and enjoyable retirement, yes. you're, you're going into it with understanding from their perspective what's important well yeah what's ultimately what do you as a person value right the money has to do something for people right and if we're not having that conversation if we don't understand that clearly if your advisor doesn't know that clearly it's very difficult really you think to make recommendations on how to structure your wealth on what to do on how to spend right on the context of Oh gosh, I've been on hold for two years and I want to spend a lot of money right now. Can I do that? You know, that, that context is critical. So uh, enough said, but it was a really touching week about the what money means. And that's what we have to put into perspective. So for let's build a foundation. Let's talk about how we protect people, profit, help them. 
and then they can actually achieve what's really important to right. them, that experience they want to have in retirement. We're going to talk about that on Tuesday, May 18th, 7 p.m., live online at our webinar. You need to register. Go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. Okay, listen, stock prices are high. Interest rates are low, but moving higher, affecting bond prices. Inflation, where you know, lots of fear that it's going higher. How in the heck do you protect yourself if all these regular assets that we own could be under pressure? Stick around after the break. You're on 770 CHQR and more than money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and more than money. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, alternative investments and what they are. People are hearing more and more about this. Yeah, so he, let, me, let me paint the picture a bit here, Dave. Um, stock market. Yeah. Volatility. Yeah. High valuations. Right. People are concerned about that. Yep. What if there's a big correction, a market crash, and so forth? In, a fir in the first time in a very long time, actually. Bond market, not great in interest rates. Well, they're yeah. low, they're historical lows, and the problem is rates are going up, so bonds are under pressure. Right, so if bond, bond interest rates go up, then prices go down. That could impact the total return of right. your bond. Yep. So what the heck do you do? Like, where do you go where with you go? this? And so people are thinking... Oh, let's go to cryptocurrency or let's go to real estate or let's go to, I don't know, a whole bunch of different ideas are popping in and out of people's minds. And as you transition to or live in retirement, taking exorbitant amount of risk is something that you worry about because you don't have the time to replenish or rebuild what's been lost. Correct. Right. Enter in this program called Alternative Investments, which has been around for decades. Right. It's now getting popular and available to the average investor. Available. And this is the thing. They've been around for a long time, but not available to the average investor. But our industry is, is evolving in that respect, understanding the problems that you've just identified. And so I think it's incumbent upon us to help people understand what alternatives are and talk about uh, some of the, some of the uh, strategies that would fit in that. And so to help us understand that, we've got Michael Sager, Vice President, Multi-Asset and Currency at CIBC Asset Management joining us today. Michael, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. I hope you're well. So let's just start at a very high level. Uh, maybe you can define or describe for our viewers and listeners what an alternative asset is. I, I think that's a really good place to start because, you know, the, the, the term alternatives it really encompasses a, a wide mosaic of investment opportunities and they're not immediately obvious from that descriptor. Uh, and I think you're right also, they've been around for a long time. If you look at a lot of the biggest institutional investors, their portfolios have got a lot of different alternatives that are adding to their um, portfolio performance. So they're very relevant, but it's not obvious what an alternative is from that name. So. You know, we can mention things like liquid alternatives or private equity or real estate or infrastructure. You know, people will probably have heard of at least some of those and they're all different types of alternatives. They all offer something different and something diversifying to an investor's portfolio. And I think that's, that's the key thing, what they offer. So for example, some alternative assets offer, to your point a minute ago, more attractive long-term expected return than is currently available from public securities like equities or bonds. Uh, other alternatives 
um, can help boost portfolio income. It's another important facet. And then another set of alternatives can be used to protect portfolios against one or other specific risks. For instance, the risk of much higher inflation. That's something that an allocation to, for example, liquid alternatives or infrastructure can do very well. So it's a big mosaic of opportunities that fits well together um, is how I start to get into that answer. So, so Michael, you've, you, you, you have a portfolio that you're, you're part of um, and that has the word alternative under, the mar under its, uh, its name. So it's a multi-asset portfolio. It's under the alternative space. Let's break down what your portfolio or your fund has and what's involved in it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think one of the or, or two of the key tenants to that fund, it's, it's the multi-asset absolute return strategy or MARS. Um, two key tenets are breadth and diversification. And I think that's pretty crucial to asset allocation more generally. So breadth, we want as many opportunities to add value to investor portfolios as we can. So lots of different asset classes are included in Mars, equities, bonds, but also currencies, commodities. We've got some more eclectic volatility strategies. Uh, so that's part of the breadth. Then uh, geographic breadth. We're not tied just to Canada. We can go anywhere, any developed market, any emerging market. That geographic diversification is really important because it provides you with additional sources of return, additional ways to mitigate risk. Uh, and therefore to improve the overall performance of your portfolio. Um, you know, we can, for a traditional portfolio, it, it's typically long only. You buy equities or you buy bonds. In our Mars strategy, we can express our opinions on both the long side, but also the short side. We can buy and sell something. And that really gives us an extra dimension in a very risk-controlled way to add value. Uh, Mars is a very liquid so Michael, Yeah, go ahead. Sorry about that, Michael. Yeah. Let's walk through some of the, the process or rules of investing that you guys go through in, this, in Mars, because I think what, what investors need to hear is it's not just willy-nilly, we can go anywhere, anytime, there are some rules that we need to follow to protect on, on the downside, maximize upside, yet keep everything within some sort of boundaries. What are the rules and boundaries when it comes to, to Mars? Yeah, to us, there's uh, a right way to invest and a, and a wrong way, and we're doing it the right way. And that's a very rigorous, very disciplined set of investment strategies. We, for the longest time, both for high net worth investors and as well as some of the biggest institutional investors in the world, we combine uh, a set 
of quantitative models that we've built and developed and evolved over the years. We combine those with very robust forward-looking judgment. So we're capturing the best of both worlds. Models give you a way of valuing assets without emotion. But fundamental judgment brings in a broader set of thoughts and processes. And we integrate that together in a very disciplined way to give us a very holistic view of what's driving assets. Where are the most attractive risk-adjusted returns? So it's a very rigorous investment process that we wrap with, importantly, portfolio construction and risk management. So if you have that discipline and that really all-encompassing view of what's driving markets, you can uh, exploit your best ideas. So that's the sort of rigor we're bringing to the Mars strategy. This is where it gets very interesting because when the time comes of volatility, how does a, a portfolio like this react, respond, protect, profit, all these different things. So I really want to get into this. So Mike, I'd like you to stick around after the commercial break. We're going to talk about this. And uh, this will kind of talk about why we have a discipline and a structure around bulletproofing someone's retirement. And Michael used those words, structure and discipline. It's got to be a component of everyone. We have to talk about that uh, at our upcoming seminar, right? How does all of this fit to support that lifestyle and what money means for people, what it will do for people in a lifestyle? Correct. On Tuesday, May 18th, 7 p.m., live online. You need to register for our next seminar, so go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. All right, stick around after the break. We've got interest rates that are low and rising. We've got stock prices that, uh, that perhaps are high. How does a liquid alternative fit into a portfolio to help protect you in your retirement? Here on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR. Faisal, we've been exploring the idea of alternative investments. What is an alternative investment, right? They've been around for a long time, but it's only recently that this has been available to um, retail investors, to average people in their portfolios, right? So what is it? We're going to explore a little bit about where it fits. Yeah, this, this type of investment strategy has been part of large institutional yep. pension plans, you know, the, the big money. Yeah. We always hear that out there now. It's the big money. These are the, the smart money and the big money have access to this. Why doesn't the average person have access to this? Well, it's available now. So let's, let's kind of, we're introducing this and we've been doing this for 10 years yeah. at least, yeah. introducing this type of strategy to, uh, uh, to our clients. I think it's important that we educate individuals upon what's the objective of these types of things. How does it protect you? How do you profit from it? And what's the purpose of your entire portfolio, especially when you're going into retirement? It's an interesting, it's an interesting question that we sometimes ask uh, people that are retiring. If your retirement savings are your pension, right, to support your lifestyle. And if you look at real pensions, take the CPP, because we talk about that in our seminar all the time, and they've got a significant allocation to alternative investments. Correct. What do they know that we don't know, right? Yeah. Should we be treating our pension, our savings, with the same level of respect that big pension plans are. Correct. And that's what we want to explore. Why, why, why are we doing that? We've got a terrific guest, Michael Sager, who's the Vice President, Multi-Asset and Currency at CIBC Asset Management, also part of the um, 
the, the Mars portfolio, if you will. Now, Michael, we started talking about it in the last segment. Here's what I want to explore to start this segment. Part of that, that name Mars is about absolute return. It's a multi-asset, absolute return strategy. I'd like you to speak to, to the goal of absolute return. What does that mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, if you think about a traditional equity portfolio, its performance is always tied back to the underlying stock market. How did I do versus the TSX, for example, or for a bond portfolio? How did I do versus Government of Canada Treasuries? Did I get a few basis points more or less? But it's always relative to that benchmark, that underlying index. For absolute return strategies, that's not relevant. In the Mars strategy, we're trying to achieve every year 5% plus cash. The cash rate is Government of Canada Treasury bills. So regardless of market conditions, whether equities are up, whether equities are down, we are trying to generate 5% plus that cash rate uh, as an independent source of return to complement and to diversify all of those traditional equity or bond relative strategies. Does that make sense? Oh, it, it does. Michael, I want us to kind of break down the, the portfolio in certain scenarios. The number one risk right now that we're hearing in the market is inflation. Now, my father's listening to this. This poor 76-year-old man doesn't have too much knowledge on this stuff. He kind of leaves it to me to take care of it for him. So let's break it down to my dad's level here. In a, in a rising inflation market, situation where people's prices are going up that has impact economically, what does the Mars strategy do to protect investors in a rising inflation market? Well, what you have to do first and what we do is identify which assets are going to do well and which assets are going to struggle. So let's go through the list. Commodities, cyclical commodities, things like oil and copper tend to go up in price when inflation strengthens. So in the Mars portfolio, we're long oil, we're long copper. Let's think about another commodity, gold. Gold tends to protect portfolios, and it's done it for thousands of years. It tends to protect portfolios when inflation is going up. So we're long gold. Uh, nominal bonds tend to do less well in periods of rising inflation. So in the Mars portfolio, we're not that exposed to nominal bonds. We have what are called index linked or real bonds that outperform when inflation goes up. So the challenge is to understand what parts of the Mars portfolio and asset classes are gonna do well, which are going to do less well, and then we can expose the portfolio to both sides of that on the long side and the short side, and that's what we're doing. This is why I like having Michael and this type of strategy on the show, because what our industry has basically told their clients is it's stocks, bonds, cash. Yep. 
And no matter what happens, just hang in there. Dave, just hang in there. Everything will be okay. Right. You, know, you don't have to think about what's going on in this period of time where there's high inflation. It'll work itself out. Here, let me show you a 30-year chart of how great the markets have done over 30 years. I have yet to meet someone who thinks that for 30 years out in there right. with their money. But that's the mindset of our industry. Just hang in there, cross your fingers, hope things work out for you. The Mars strategy actually has a strategy in place with a discipline in every market condition. This is why we wanted to bring you guys on the show. So, Michael, let's talk about where we are economically today. Inflation's going up. We are uh, recovering from this pandemic, different periods in different parts of the world, but it's a recovery. It's an economic recovery. Manufacturing's moving up. That bodes well for equities. So when inflation is going up, not so good for equities. When the economy is recovering, good for equities. How does the Mars strategy handle that type of scenario when things are good but could be more expensive out there? I think that's a great question. And context is always important. I think your, your two states of the world there are right. Real growth is great for equities because it boosts uh, earnings. It boosts corporate earnings. So that's good. Inflation is less good because, for example, normally it leads the Bank of Canada to increase interest rates and higher interest rates reduce the future value of those corporate earnings. So you've got this tug of war going on. Now, this time, we think that's a little bit different. You've got the strong growth. I think you're absolutely right. We're going to see some growth numbers over the next couple of quarters that haven't been printed since the 80s, really strong. We agree that inflation is rising, but the big difference this time is the Bank of Canada. It's not going to be meaningfully increasing rates. So this time around, that mix of strong growth and a little bit more inflation is going to be perfectly good for equities. So I, I totally agree. I think equities over the next one to two years, particularly in Canada, are going to do just fine. We have about one minute left before we have to go to break. Um, looking at this type of a portfolio, how does it fit in the conventional portfolios out there where most advisors will go 60% stock, 40% yeah. bonds? That, you know, yeah. that, Where does it fit in a, in a traditional balanced yeah, portfolio? Better question. Good job, buddy. If you think of a traditional balanced portfolio, it's really concentrated. It's not exposed in any way to inflation, so it's not going to benefit or be protected from inflation. It's focused on growth. So allocating to Mars gives you diversification. It reduces the concentration of that core portfolio. It, it introduces additional return opportunities but it also protects uh, when volatility spikes, when equities are going down, when bonds are struggling. So it's that mix of enhancing return opportunities and diversifying against risks. That's where Mars fits. Michael, I think we have to leave it there. I think you've done a very good job of trying to take a very complex topic and, um, and give, I think, our listeners and our viewers an opportunity to start digesting this and asking some questions. So thank you for joining us today. Oh, it's a pleasure. We've been joined by Michael Sager, who's the Vice President, Multi-Asset and Currency at CIBC Asset Management. Um, we've got a
we have we we have been focused on alternative investing for a decade, right? Because we believe that it does add, as Michael said, a, a different layer of diversification and risk and return to the portfolio. And that's why our portfolio over over time has actually um, reduced volatility versus the market, right. has given better returns, has been able to reach people's goals, provide them their income that they need. And we actually talk about all four of these buckets, the income, the growth, the healthcare costs in the future, yep. estate and legacy concerns and tax, all this is included uh, on our webinar that we, uh, we're hosting on May 18th, 7 p.m. At, uh, and you have to register online. So go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. Well, if you're retiring, you better stick around because we're going to talk about how the new budget affects you. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. We had this little thing called the budget come out. Finally, after two years. After two years. Hooray! That's right. Yeah, um, with lots of bated breath, there was lots of stuff that was expected and maybe some that wasn't expected, yeah. some stuff that was absent. But listen, we got to make some sense of this, um, particularly, you know, for people that are moving into retirement and high net worth. Uh, there's been some changes down south in their budgets. Is, is that a predictor of what might be coming here? Let's find out. Yeah. We've got Jamie Golenbeck joining us, Managing Director, Tax and Estate Planning with CIBC. Jamie, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, why don't you uh, why don't you just give us your take uh, on the budget uh, and and the impact that it's going to have on retirees and um, and the high net worth, uh, some of the changes affecting them. Sure. Well, not a lot. Not a lot there. I mean, there's something there for everyone, but not a lot there for for retirees. I mean, there are no major changes that we were worried about, like capital gains inclusion rate or a wealth tax or tax on principal residence. That was all not there. Uh, what was there? Of course, there was just a couple of things. I think that's worth. Uh, certainly worth mentioning. Um, for seniors that get OAS, if you're at least 75 years or over, and you'll be 75 years or older as of next June, that's June 2022, you're gonna get an extra 500 bucks this summer. So again, we don't know if it's taxable. Last year, the special payment was not taxable. So we'll keep our fingers crossed on that one. Um, and then what they're gonna do, again, this is for age 75 and older, is they're also gonna increase the regular OAS payments for pensioners uh, over age 75 by 10% uh, starting next July. So again, that'll give an extra $766 to uh, full pensioners uh, in the first year with indexing to inflation. So that's one change, certainly. Um, the other thing in terms that might affect, uh, you know, sort of on the on the higher end side, of course, got a lot of publicity is that new luxury tax. So if you guys are going to buy your uh, private jet, yep. you might want to do it before the end of the year. Of course, the luxury tax will kick in on Jan 1st of next year. That'll be a that'll be a one percent, uh, sorry, a twenty percent tax above the threshold. It's a hundred thousand bucks for cars and planes, and two hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars for boats, uh, or the lesser of that, and ten percent of the fair value. So that kicks in on, on January first. And then finally, I would say um, for anyone who has a, a foundation, whether that's a private foundation or a publicly uh, foundation where you've got uh, a donor advised fund. Uh, there is a requirement right now to distribute three and a half percent every year to a bunch of to registered charities. And there's some discussion in the budget as to whether or not maybe that percentage is too low and it should be raised. So nothing happened on Monday's budget, but uh, there are going to be some consultations in the months ahead to determine whether or not uh, those donors who have contributed to those funds need to distribute more every year 
to make sure the money goes out to charity. So I think those would be some of the highlights, uh, all kinds of other stuff, you know, COVID benefits were extended, wage subsidies were expanded, some of CRA administration, making it a little bit easier uh, to file electronically, assign forms electronically, digital signatures, digital notice of assessment, and of course, a little cracking down a bit on some abusive stuff, as well as uh, collections, a lot of money uh, geared at collecting over $5 billion in, in tax owing. So I think those are the highlights uh, for many of our listeners. Jimmy, we had the President of the United States this week talk about increasing the capital gains tax. Um, as Canadians, we saw what happened to markets, but we also can empathize with people who are going to have this issue. And then the fear comes into Canadians saying, whoa, maybe this will come to Canada and we're going to have an increase in capital gains tax here. Walk us through your thought process when it comes to capital gains tax. I'm going to throw another one in there, principal residence exemption, uh, capital gains tax on that has all been thrown out, uh, uh, was not in the budget, but has all been thrown on the table as discussion topics of, of taxes that could happen in the future. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, so it's a great question. We're going to ask a lot about that this week for sure. They were both not in the budget. You know, I think the easier one is the principal residence exemption. I think that's a real political hot potato. Uh, I don't think any government would dare to touch that. I mean, you never know. I mean, in the U.S., they only exempt the first 250,000 U.S. of gains or $500,000 for a married couple filing jointly. Uh, you know, I think that's much more difficult. People were certainly relying on their principal residence for retirement. So I don't see that anytime in the near future. The capital gains one, though, is uh, something that I think is more possible. I mean, again, it's politically sensitive. So again, if there is an election and the government does come back with a majority, it's much easier to pass. Uh, we know from our research that uh, most capital gains are paid by higher income individuals. Because remember, the average Canadian has all of their investments, either in a pension plan, an RSP, or a TFSA or tied up in the value of their principal residence, right? So the average Canadian is not actually paying a lot of capital gains tax. Right now, the rates are at a 50% inclusion rate. Traditionally, it's been as high as 75%. So with the Biden announcement, which wasn't a total surprise, right? Because he ran on this platform, we certainly knew about this for the last year or so. But again, if they go ahead with that move in the US and we're gonna have the full family tax plan in the US announced next week. Uh, but if the uh, plan is to go ahead with it, remember, that it does only affect very high income earners. So that's a million dollars or more US for US taxpayers. And they would, you know, so effectively double the capital gains rate. Right now it's 20% in the US, be over 40%. And in, in states like, you know, New York or California, it could be like 52 or 56%, right? So uh, does it put pressure on Canada to do it? Not pressure. But it could be a certainly mitigating factor in terms of, you know, if the government is looking at raising additional revenues, they may say, okay, well, look, it taxes the wealthy anyway. We love taxing the wealthy. That has certainly been something we've noticed in the last five years. If you look at the new high tax rate they put in, you know, for a number of years ago for income over about $220,000 now, we saw the statement in the recent budget that if you're lucky enough to be able to afford a luxury car, you should pay more. Uh, so this is kind of where the government's at. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if the government went ahead with an increase in the capital gains rate, uh, but certainly there's nothing official from them. There's nothing on the table that they've tabled uh, on that particular uh, to highlight that a change might be imminent. So, Jamie, we've seen a massive amount of spending because of this pandemic. We're piling on a whole bunch of debt. I didn't get any indication of what the game plan is to pay down this debt over the over the next five years or so. Um, so if we were to have 
finance minister Goldenbeck in place here, and he was in knowing that the the largest amount of, of income earners regard in regards to paying taxes is by the the, the top twenty percent wealthy individuals in in Canada. They pay the lion's share of dollars paid in tax, not percentage always, but in dollars. Um, who who would you go after next to get to get more revenue into the country, and and how would you do it? Well, look, a couple of things. I mean, number one, I think we're already overtaxed. I mean, I think when you get rates over 50%, I think, you know, psychologically, it's a real disincentive to earn any more money. I don't like it. Uh, I don't like rates over 50%. I think they're confiscatory. I think they're too high. Uh, so if anything, I think they should lower rates, encourage people to spend more money. Um, at the end of the day, what I think will happen is if the economy recovers and they can, you know, really focus on a reopening and vaccinations and things like that, and we can get a full recovery, the revenues will come naturally, right? If we can grow our economy and get the GDP and corporate incomes back up and personal incomes and people employed, uh, people start spending money, they'll start traveling, they'll start doing things, and that will naturally increase the tax revenues. Remember, interest rates are low, and they'll probably be low until at least the end of 2022. That's the latest forecasting that we have. Um, so basically, the debt is free. Like the interest right now is lower than it's ever been in terms of even though it's the debt is huge, the amount of interest is basically zero, right? In terms of the uh, the rate that the government is paying, so it doesn't doesn't cost anything to pay the debt. We just need their economy to recover so that tax revenues uh, ultimately go up, and uh, and I think that's the way out of this. So you, so no no changes. You wouldn't you wouldn't tax people as they go through retirement because here's one of the concerns: there are conversations and i'm talking about like small chat groups around the internet and so this is not like politicians are saying this stuff that they might increase the marginal tax rate in the middle income areas which if you've done your retirement plan properly you're able to lower your income tax rate to lower than what it was when you were working that's the whole reason why we have rsps and why it's an advantage for people to in to put money in their rsps but if that rate goes up we're in retirement then the objective of the RSP or saving for retirement using that type of vehicle, not as valid as it used to be. So thoughts about maybe increasing the middle portion of the tax brackets for, for retirees because they've already enjoyed most of the, the, the life and they can now pay some of their taxes they owe? Yeah, I, I don't see that. And the reason I see that, I don't see that is because really this government has been over and over again about the middle class. It's all about the middle class. They even had a lower uh, lowering of the tax rates for the middle class when they came in, right? So I think this government is all pro middle class. It's very hard to uh, effectively carve out the retirees from that segment of the population. So I don't see, I see if anything, they would institute a very high income tax bracket for very, very high income earners. Of course, very high in Canada seems to be a lot lower than the number in the US. Uh, but you know, maybe you come in with a very high tax rate, uh, you know, uh, people over 400,000, 600, I'm not recommending it, but I mean, if the government were to increase the rates, you know, I think that's something that they would do before raising the tax rate on middle income. Jamie, thank you very much for bringing uh, some clarity to uh, to current budget. We'll uh, always love your uh, your your look forward, and we'll keep in touch as things continue to change. All right, guys, thanks. Been uh, joined by Jamie Goldenbeck, who's the managing director of tax and estate planning with CIBC. Um, tax is always going to be an important part of the retirement process. Nobody Probably lives on pre-retirement income. One of the biggest spending or expenses you're going to have through your retirement years yep. is taxes. So structuring not only your portfolio, but your entire wealth 
properly Correct. is very important, and we're going to discuss that. We call this the 3D concept in our webinar, and if you want to learn more about how to reduce your tax bills as you go through retirement, we're going to talk about it on Tuesday, May 18th, 7 p.m., live online. Now you need to register for our seminar. Go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. On behalf of Faisal and myself, Dave, thanks for tuning in to another edition of More Than Money on 770 CHQR. We'll talk to you next week. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodcundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodcundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodcundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodcundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodcundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodcundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.